In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are a number of feast days in the liturgical calendar of the church. Today is one of them. One is a few weeks before Lent, so before the penitential seasons, but also in Holy Week. That on those days, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit given to the church, we have a particular focus that is so critical to our own salvation, our own personal healing that Christ desires to do in our life. And that theme that those various parts of the liturgical calendar given by the Holy Spirit is both the calling that presents the necessity that we forgive others their sins in the same manner in which God has forgiven our sins. That necessity is placed before us to do so. But not only the necessity, because the necessity, the calling, the exhortation never comes without the path for it to happen. Because I tell you this, my friends, in many of the ways that all of us in different ways have been wounded by others very deeply and struggle, therefore, with forgiveness and setting them free, thus releasing our own souls and our own hearts. We must have a path given by the grace of God, or forgiveness is not possible. To forgive as Christ has forgiven us is only possible in and through Jesus Christ alone, and our being unified with Him. And this is the theme that we have today, and again, why? Because we are about to enter into a season of preparation, a penitential season that we call Advent, where we are, as if we're not calling out all the time for mercy for ourselves, but in the season, those penitential seasons of preparation, it's amplified. The cry for God to bestow His mercy upon us, and in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, for us to not only be able to receive that mercy, but to keep that mercy upon us eternally, there is the necessity to forgive. And we look at that today through Jesus' own words and a parable. It's from the Gospel of St. Matthew in chapter 18. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seventy times seven. St. John Chrysostom comments there. He says, what then says Christ, the good God, who is loving towards all men? I say not unto you until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Not intending to set a number here, but to show what is infinite and perpetual and forever. In other words, forgive as I forgive. Because our God is a God of perpetual and limitless and inexhaustible mercy. He never runs out, no matter the weight of the debt of our sins and transgressions. He is always giving mercy, giving mercy when we come humbly, asking for that great and divine gift. And he tells St. Peter, thus you shall forgive others, without limit, without holding back, is, is mercy and forgiveness to be given. And what we're all seeing here, dear family, is a call, and I want you to see this, it really is a call to grow in the likeness of God, by the grace of God. Think about it. For our, I said a minute ago, for our ability to forgive some of the most horrendous offenses that have happened to us, 
That ability only comes when God transforms our heart to become His. Your humanity will never accomplish it. You can't just simply decide by your will at times to forgive. Your will has to be coupled with the divine grace and very nature of God where we're being transformed to become mercy. As God is the one who delights and gives inexhaustible mercy. And this is very difficult for us in our humanity to let loose some of the deepest wounds and hurts. Perhaps even some of those deepest hurts that others have done to us that changed our life forever. Trans, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? Broke down our true identity by the wrongs that were done to us. It becomes very difficult to forgive those offenses at times. But our Lord Jesus Christ continues with St. Peter to show him the importance, the necessity of giving this limitless forgiveness when he gives the parable of the unforgiving servant that you heard read in the gospel. The first thing that he says, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. And my friends, you've heard me say this before. Anytime we hear Jesus' own words, the king of the kingdom, saying that the kingdom of God is like something, we should be in our souls on the edge of our seats waiting to hear what comes next. Because we want to know the realities of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a king. A king who came to settle accounts with all of his servants. And one servant owed him 10,000 talents. Now you need to understand what 10,000 talents are. 10,000 talents would be lifetimes of income for one particular person during that time. We're talking millions, billions of dollars when they try to equate it into today's funds. In other words, it was a debt that there was no way possible that this servant could ever hope to pay. And certainly in that life at that time and in the parable, the servant could not pay it. The king was going to sell him and his wife, and his children, and everything that he had, and throw him into prison until he could pay back the debt which he never would be able to pay. The man asked for patience and mercy from the king. And we're told that the king was moved with compassion over the servant's circumstances. And being moved with compassion, he granted that servant what that servant could never repay. He granted that servant what that servant, there was no way he could ever earn the great gift he was about to receive. But because the king eliminated lifetimes of death, not one penny any longer would be owed by the servant. And the servant goes away relieved of this incredible burden. Now the servant goes away and he finds a fellow servant. And this fellow servant owed him 100 denarii, or pence. This is the equivalent of about three months of wages. Pennies compared to the millions. And he says, pay it back. He demands payback. The servant looks at him and pleads for the same mercy that he pled with the king. He said, have patience, have mercy on me. But rather than having mercy, rather than having mercy, 
he had the man thrown into prison and given over to the prison guards until he could pay such a debt. Well, the king who had forgiven so much found out what this servant had done and he became very angry. And he says, I forgave you what you could never pay. Should you not have done the same over the little amount that your fellow servant owed you? And what was the result? In the righteous justice and anger of God, he handed that servant over to the torturers and to those who would oversee him in prison, had him thrown in prison. What did he do? I want you to really catch this. At first, the king gave mercy. But when the fellow servant didn't extend that mercy to another, he removed the mercy. He placed back upon him the full weight of the debt that was owed. And what does Jesus Christ say about this? Listen to his words. So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you, if from his heart he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The kingdom of God is likeness. Now this is an incredibly hard word to hear. But Jesus gives it out of the most loving purpose. Because he sets before his disciples a great reality of the kingdom of God. And the reason he sets this hard reality of the kingdom of God, this call to become infinite forgiveness as you have infinitely been forgiven, was because he wanted their hearts to move towards him. So that their heart became his heart. His heart became their heart. And through them came the divine mercy of God. And this is why he puts it in our ears today. So that in the end, when we extend limitless mercy to those who have done such great damage to us, or even the minor offenses that people do to us, when we extend that mercy, we must understand what our Lord is truly doing in the hearts of all His disciples. When we extend mercy, when we extend forgiveness, we're the ones that find release. We're the ones that find the weight alleviated from us. Because when we walk in what is the antithesis of the nature of God, what is the exact opposite of the nature of God, we forge for ourselves bondage within our souls. And we walk in it daily. And it's like a constant oppression within us when we harbor unforgiveness against those who have offended us. And our Lord wants to remove that by sharing His nature with us. And so then the next question comes. How? How do we walk in the grace of God toward forgiving those who have wounded us the deepest? The church fathers, and I mean throughout the history of the church from the earliest of times, we're not new to struggling in unforgiveness, my friends. The church fathers were speaking about this all along. The church fathers have one answer to how. Prayer. To join yourselves to God in prayer. And I want you to think about the wisdom of why. Because in the Orthodox Church, we are taught... That prayer is blessed fellowship with God. What does that mean? That means we spend time with Him in hopes from that time of Him sharing more and more of Himself with us. 
And when we pray, when we are rocked by unforgiveness, stuck in the proverbial emotional and spiritual mud of unforgiveness, our hope is that by time with Christ in prayer, he shares the mercy that he is with us. And I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to give yourselves one break on this. Forgiveness, particularly to forgiveness from the deepest things that people have done and harmed to us, doesn't come overnight in prayer. But it comes through prayer. Consistent, banging at the doors of the throne. Lord, give me your heart of mercy so that my soul will be released as I release someone else. This is the wisdom of the fathers. And I want to encourage you about something of the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ from his own life. We see this unbelievable, I call it mysterious mercy of God because I can't totally grasp it. We see it all through his life. We particularly see it through his unfair trial and crucifixion. Do you understand the woundings that our Lord endured during that time? St. Athanasius, he wrote the doctrine at one of the great councils. St. Athanasius was a deacon at the time. And he wrote the proverbial doctrine of the incarnation. His work was called In the Incarnation. And in that writing, he said that our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ lived as one of us at every stage of life. From conception to time in the womb. To birth, toddler, child, teenager, young adult, and so on. He lived at every stage of life. And the reason that he wrapped our flesh around us at every stage of life, joining into his divinity, is so that every stage of life bore the possibility of salvation. So that as we go through every stage of our lives, because of his deifying the flesh within himself, joining fallen flesh to his, to his divinity, that at every stage of life we had the possibility <coughs> of growing in the likeness of God and being saved. What this means is, and we know this, he endured every temptation and every struggle ever known to man. Now you think about this. That means that our Lord Jesus Christ, in the flesh that he took on, would have had to struggle as hard to forgive those who offended him, who shamed him, who beat him and tortured him and spat upon him. He would have had to struggle in his flesh and let his divinity win out in the extension of mercy. Do you get that? He knows, every one of you sitting here, and myself included, he knows intimately your struggle to forgive because he had to have in order to redeem it within us. And that's incredible love. So let's look at that unjust trial. Let's think of the offenses that our Lord endured in all parts of his human person. First, you have an offensive trial, false accusations left and right being hurled at him. You know what that feels like when people accuse you and you're it's a dagger. He had to endure a mob of his own people that he had led out of Israel and stayed within the blessed temple and came to redeem. 
that same people who shouted, Hosanna, Lord, save us, just days before, shouted the most incredibly disturbing thing. Not only killed him, but put him to death in a torturous way. Crucify him. And he endured that. He endured the wrongful verdict of guilty, sentenced to that torturous death, though innocent. And listen to this. Those who you don't think he encountered physical, emotional, mental abuse. He endured verbal ridicules hurled at him all during his great torture. From the putting on of the crowns of the thorns upon his head, the vicious, lifelong, crippling flogging that he would have endured, and the absolutely cruel crucifixion. Not only is he shamed in his person as they would spit upon him and beat him and all of the torturous things, but they were actually hurling insults on top of that constantly during this whole procession of death. He would endure all of that. And yet enduring it, with all of the pain and suffering, physical, mental, emotional, abusive, with all of that, Christ our God never wavered from his divine nature. When he was on the cross, remember his intercession to all of those who were doing this. He pleaded for mercy. He pleaded for the unescapable weight of their debt. For the transgressions they were committing against him. He knew he was God. He pleaded, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. This is the nature we must grow into by the gift of grace that God gives. Through prayer. The Father said again and again, the antidote to your unforgiveness. The key to unlock your own bondage is to pray regarding those who have offended you. And I'm going to read to you now one of the older prayers that in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit has been given to the church for the release of those who, have, who we need to release with our forgiveness. And I want you to notice something in the prayer. When we are praying this, that is fellowshipping with God, this prayer is full of the nature of God. Words putting our eyes upon who he really is and what we're really asking for. Because when we're praying for forgiveness, we're actually asking to become mercy. To, to become his divine nature. Here's the prayer. And I'm going to email this out to all of you this afternoon. For any time that you struggle with unforgiveness. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, the shepherd and the lamb who takest away the sins of the world, who gavest remittance unto the two debtors, and didst grant remission of her sins unto the heart. Do thou thyself, O Master, loose, remit, and pardon the sins and transgressions and iniquities of, and then you name the person or people that you're wrestling with in your heart. <clears throat> Whether voluntary or involuntary, whether known or unknown, whether by mistake or disobedience, which thy servants have wrought, and whatever they have done as men bearing flesh and living in the world, we're praying through his eyes. When Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do, he's praying, forgive them, because in their deep and dark brokenness of the fall, they know they're nailing me, but they have no idea why they would do such an atrocious thing. 
That's what we're praying today. As men bearing flesh and living in the world, being beguiled by the devil, if by word or deed in knowledge or in ignorance they have sinned, do thou thyself as thou art good and gentle. O Master, be pleased that these thy servants be loosed by thy word, forgiving them their sins according to the greatness of thy mercy. Yea, O Master and Lord, lover of mankind, hearken unto us who are entreating thy grace for these thy servants, and as the greatly merciful one overlook their transgressions. Are you hearing that we are praying the very prayer of Christ from the cross? His nature is coming through this prayer. And it's by that blessed fellowship that we have the potential of gaining His mercy, releasing those who have so deeply wounded us, and ourselves being completely released in the process. And the fathers want us to understand something else about why by the Holy Spirit that prayer frees us to give mercy. They say because when we pray, particularly when we pray this prayer, we're coming into Jesus' own invitation, take my yoke upon you. When we pray this prayer, remember the situation, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. That yoke seemed very quickly described, everyone would have understood it. That the way they did a yoke that would, that would bear the weight of the plow, that it would pull. There was the more mature and strong ox on one side of the yoke. And then yoked to it would be the weaker youngling, who by being yoked to the greater one would learn how to do the plow and break up the follow ground. When we pray this prayer to give us the mercy of God and release these people, Lord, we are coming alongside the one who will bear the weight of bringing your heart to forgiveness, who will bear the burden that you have been carrying. And will give you the grace as you continue to plow with him, breaking up the fallow ground, releasing your soul to become mercy and filling it with joy all the way. And like I said, it doesn't always happen in an instance, but the plow is continually being plowed as we are yoked to Christ, who is the strong one, who is the author and finisher of every bit of forgiveness that we need to give to others. My friends, you heard the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. What the kingdom of God is like. Preserve your soul by moving. Preserve the mercy you've been given by constantly moving toward mercy through prayer. And you will see your release happen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.